Hello, hello, and welcome to Out of the Box Judaism, a podcast for unpacking Jewish tradition and heritage and finding the gems in there that are meaningful to you today. I'm Esther Goldenberg, a life and spirituality coach, author, educator, and mom to two great kids who fill my life with love and laundry and inspire me to see miracles every day. I created this podcast to help shine the light on the wisdom, power, and connection that I see in Jewish traditions and customs, and of course, the Torah. That said, all belief systems are welcome here, Jewish and otherwise. And if Jewish, it is my belief that you can do Judaism exactly the way that is right for you, in your own ever-evolving life and journey, which is exactly what I do. In these episodes, I share with you some of what Judaism has to offer me, and my wish for you is that you will find the gems that it has for you. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to episode number 18 of the Out of the Box Judaism podcast. I'm your host, Esther Goldenberg, and I am so excited for episode lucky number 18. Have you ever wondered why sometimes people will give uh, donations to a cause in multiples of $18 or give a gift of $18 or $36 or $54, $180, some other multiple of $18? You may know this already, but in every in Hebrew, every letter has a numerical equivalent. So the first letter of the alphabet, Aleph, is the number one. And bet, the second letter, is the number two. And it goes on and on like that through the tenth letter. And then they skip in value to 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, 200, 300, and 400. And that covers all the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, or the Aleph Bet. And the word chai means life. And it is spelled chet yud when you add up the numerical value of those two letters you get 18. So 18 is sort of a lucky number in that it symbolizes life. And here we are at episode number 18 of the Out of the Box Judaism podcast. I actually um, can't believe it, especially since we've really had more than 18 episodes because I've been numbering them differently for the holidays. So hopefully that's not too confusing and this is still a great episode. I spoke with my friend Debbie Ballard, I should say Cantor Debbie Ballard, Um, And we had a great conversation. We see so many things through the same lens, and it's such a joy. I actually really like um, hearing how other people view things, too, but it's such a joy when you get to be in sync with somebody who has a similar outlook on um, Judaism or any kind of religious belief. I was actually going to say on life, which is also true, but Debbie and I don't know... enough about each other. We don't know each other well enough for me to say that we have a similar outlook on life or a similar way of um, viewing things or doing things in life. I honestly don't know. But in terms of Judaism, we're very in sync. And I actually was reminded during the interview that we met because of that. We met when I wrote the Out of the Box Bat Mitzvah, a guide to creating a meaningful milestone, because a friend of hers had seen that I was writing that book and told her about it. And Debbie read the book and was kind enough to leave a review on Amazon. So you can see that if you go to Amazon and look up the Out of the Box Bat Mitzvah book. Um, You can see all the kind things that she had to say about it. 
and um, how in sync we are in terms of our views of people finding their own meaning in Judaism and in Jewish milestones. Before I play this episode for you, I want to ask two things of you. Here's the first one. When I asked Debbie, who is a professional in this field, she's a cantor, she um, makes her life and livelihood about helping people find meaning in Judaism in the way that resonates for them, I asked her about the use of ritual in her own family and in her own life, and frankly, I could not have scripted or asked for a better response. So I ask you to keep your ear open for that. The whole thing is a great conversation, but maybe just pay a little bit closer attention. Ask yourself what you might respond and listen to Debbie's response, because this is one of the things I love about my job. And then the second thing that I want to ask of you is to please um, bear with us during a couple of blips when our connection was a little bit less than stellar. So the conversation is worth it. I apologize for the blips. Um, Take a listen and enjoy. Hey, Debbie, it's so nice to see you. Hi, Esther, it's great to see you too. This is fun to get a chance to chat, which we do not do often enough, I think, actually. But chatting this makes things happen, right? When there's absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I love conversation. Well, I'm really glad to have you here today. And I know that um, I have a little agenda of some things I want to ask you, but the first thing I want to ask you is actually about my personal cancer, because you're my personal sure. cancer, and I want you to tell me. Um, how you got to that place. I would love to tell you how I got here. Um, How I got here was rooted in a deep passion and love for Judaism, uh, along with my personal experience of being married to a uh, non-Jewish man and raising our our interfaith family, raising Jewish children. Um, It came from really the time of our wedding where we were just so poorly represented by a Jewish clergy who was really in it for the money and the transactional value of what he could provide, who really pitted my parents and myself and my husband uh, against each other instead of bringing us all together. And I dreamt for many years about someone positive in the Jewish faith who could really open their arms and welcome and embrace interfaith couples and and even Jewish Jewish couples who were looking for ceremonies rooted in the beauty of Judaism, but they could be more flexible and more open and welcoming and inclusive, whether it was in same-sex marriages or um, just, you know, different uh, family arrangements that people wanted more personalization to their Jewish identity and less congregation to their Jewish affiliation. And so my personal cantor was born the day I decided that I wanted to become a cantor and and defining who I wanted to serve. That's fantastic. And it's so funny as you were telling that story, I was reminded that we actually met when I wrote the out of the box bat mitzvah. And yes, that, that absolutely. Was, of course, it makes perfect sense, right? But I like forgot now that I've already known you. 
<laughs> that we share. Yeah, and I, I loved that you did that. And, and it really was a great validation to the work that I'm doing because it, it mirrored so much of my philosophy. Well, I'm so glad that I could validate you, as you do for me, because as you were saying that, I was reminded like that that's really one of the yeah. core values that we share is that like this is really for everyone. It's in everyone who wants it. It's inclusive. There's exactly. something in there that you can make it personalized. You can have it full of meaning, whatever that meaning is to you. Absolutely. Right, right. So we do a lot of the same work because you work with children and families. Or, or just the children? Yeah. I work with everybody. <laughs> um, uh, so about 60% of my work is my bar and bat mitzvah work. Through that work, I do uh, a lot of work with families, whether it's uh, counseling them and, and supporting them in including Judaism in their interfaith household, whether it is uh, educating the non-Jewish parent uh, how to be a more participative uh, member of a Jewish family, whether it is counseling for perhaps uh, family parents of adults who are getting married who can't quite grasp that their child is marrying out of their religion and trying to accept it. Um, and then I also, you know, work very closely counseling my couples as well who are getting married and, and helping them uh, balance and decide what to do in terms of including faith in their household. That's beautiful. I find a lot of times when I work with interfaith families that in my own experience, it has been the parent who is not Jewish, who's maybe been a little bit reluctant, but once we step in the door, they're very willing and open. And yeah. in my experience, it's been the parent who is Jewish who feels like they could use more education because now their non-Jewish spouse is getting educated. Very much. They feel like behind and I want to impart to them that there is no behind really, but you can learn more so that you can get more joy out of it and more fulfillment. And sometimes Absolutely. they come with like with this baggage of, wait, I'm not Jewish enough or I'm not doing it right. And <laughs> sort of my passion is to turn that around in their mind and and help them see how they are doing enough and help them see how they are doing it right. And that for me, a lot of times these family, these um, adults, these Jewish adults who are looking to explore their Judaism more come by way of a bar about mitzvah. And you know how it is with parents, right? Like they want everything for their child yeah. and they forget maybe to search that for themselves. And yeah. then there's like this eye opening of the joy that it can bring to them. And that's the piece that I think, while I love, working with the kids and the non-Jewish parent. I think for me, the part that lights me up is working with the Jewish parent or the Jewish adult who's just interested in learning more. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I love all of it. I, I really do. I love all of it. I think a lot of the times what I see in interfaith couple is um, the non-Jewish parent very often for me is really the custodial parent uh, of, of bringing the kids or involving the kids. A lot of times I see the non-Jewish parent take responsibility and more enthusiasm to get their child involved in Jewish learning. But that creates a little bit of animosity because as Jews, we kind of take it for granted whether we grew up really knowing or just going through the motions of knowing, um, the non-Jewish parent starts looking at the Jewish parent saying, 
why don't you do more? Why am I expected to um, work so hard to keep our kids Jewishly connected and you tend to be a little uh, more hands off? And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of different dynamics to that. But when that family says, help us in whatever way, that's what really lights me up. That's awesome. That's awesome. And then sometimes you also have the non-Jewish parent who has taken on this responsibility and is taking it seriously and beautifully and will say to the Jewish parent, oh, well, why is there this part of the service? And the Jewish parent right. just doesn't know because frankly, why would they? <laughs> why would they? So, you know, that I have to share, that was a very defining moment in my life. So, so that really leads me to a defining moment uh, many, many years ago, as I sat in my congregation during a Shabbat service with my husband at the time, and I said to him, as we approached the Elenu, and I said, oh, this is my favorite song, like, get ready, it's my favorite prayer. This was a, a time, a prayer that we would always harmonize to, and it brought back amazing memories. So I told my husband, oh, this is my favorite prayer. And at the end of the prayer, he said, well, that was very lovely, but what does it mean? And I got very agitated with him because I had really no idea at the time what the Elenu meant. It meant something to me, but it wasn't able to translate to him because he, there was no meaning in the prayer itself. The meaning was in the experience of having the prayer or saying the prayer. And I realized through my agitation that I was really kind of hypocritical, that I could love a prayer so much without knowing what it meant. And that is what really led me on my journey to understanding prayer and making prayer more meaningful and relevant to myself so that I can enhance my prayer experience. Um, and it was, I find that as Jews, very often, we learned our prayers to recite them by rote, but we didn't learn what they meant in our heart. And so too often we pray mechanically rather than passionately. That's a great story. And that actually leads me to something I really wanted to ask you about, because when we're recording this episode in March of 2018, we are um, in the book of Leviticus, which talks yep. a lot about ritual. And it talks a lot about specific rituals that don't have a lot of meaning to a lot of people these days. Um, and so I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. And one was about any ritual meaning you find in the service. And the other is about whether you have any rituals that you suggest or teach to your um, students or clients? It's so funny. Um, I actually focus so much more on the personal interpretation and meaning of the prayers that we say rather than the rituals that we do. Because after 15 years of doing what I do, and seeing hundreds and hundreds of families, I find that one aspect of Judaism means something very different to one family than it might to another, and that each family 
has adopted their own ritual over time because they found something meaningful for them. I find it very disingenuous, therefore, to teach ritual because I, I don't feel that ritual is really teachable, that ritual should grow organically out of something we find meaning in. So the family that employs finger puppets at Passover versus the family that has a chocolate Seder, those rituals mean very different things in terms of the way that people come together and they find meaning in the holiday. So for me, for instance, I am far more passionate about teaching the, the alternative ways of looking at the Amidah, for instance. And I teach that the Amidah is our uh, reminder that we are God's partners in creation, that no creation was complete without human interaction. So, so I help my families create ritual around that belief. I encourage my families to find their personal meaning and create their own ritual around that meaning. So in what way does one of God's creations, you know, play forth its, its most profound meaning in your life? And what can you do as a ritual of gratitude uh, to God for the, the blessings in your life that you might take for granted? So it's better for me and easier for me to teach meaning of prayer encouraging a family to adopt their own personal ritual rather than to teach ritual itself. I love that. I love that because I think ritual has the most meaning when you're connected with it, right? That's, I guess that's actually what gives it the meaning in the first place is when you feel a connection to that. I love it when people create their own rituals. And I think that sometimes people are put off by ritual thinking this is so intense and this is needs to be so meaningful and you do want it to be meaningful but like in a no pressure kind of way like in a create your own meaning and and experience that immersively and maybe carry that on with other people as well and I, I like to use the example of one of our favorite holidays in my family which is macaroni and cheese in the bathtub day <laughs> I don't know if you okay. I don't know if you celebrated that one but we celebrate that holiday every year because for us, it's a ritual that goes perfectly with Purim. Purim is a holiday of silliness and upside down and unusual. And the month of Adar that we just passed that Purim falls in is supposed to be this month of joy. And there's this great book by a children's author and illustrator named Todd Parr. And he wrote this book called It's Okay to Be Different. And there's got just a different, there's one sentence on each page, like, it's okay to be missing teeth and it's okay to have a pet worm and it's okay to have wheels. Um, and one of them is it's okay to eat macaroni and cheese in the bathtub. And we created our own ritual a few years ago where once a year we all climb into the bathtub with no water, with clothes on and with macaroni and cheese and something on the side. And we sit in the bathtub and eat our macaroni and cheese in the bathtub. And actually, we all look forward to it every year. And as silly as it is, it certainly qualifies as a ritual. Yes, I love the story. So do you have any rituals in your own family that you've created that you like to um, 
use and you feel like a very Jewish connection. Like I even feel such a Jewish root in our macaroni and cheese in the bathtub day. For me, that's about Purim. Um, do you have any rituals in your life that you feel come from a root in Judaism? So I really, I feel so horrible to say in, in my current day, um, honestly, not so much, only sadly because my children are so much older. My children are now adults. Um, I have a, a you know grandson that's two years old that we are actively teaching about uh, Judaism and the Jewish holidays, but ritual has not yet really uh, come to a place where we can begin incorporating that. And it's really not my place to incorporate that ritual for him. It's really up to his parents. So I'm really eager to see where that comes from. My own personal life is spent facilitating holidays so much for other families that my own personal ritual, sadly, has kind of suffered as a result of that. But, but I take so much joy in facilitating Jewish events for other families. So not the, not the answer that I would, I would love to give you some really fabulous, original and creative current ritual that my family engages in. My family's just at the head of very different crossroads. Uh, there's nobody really there to, to celebrate the ritual anymore. Well, what if I change the question a little bit, and instead of asking about ritual that you have with your family, what if the question is ritual that you do yourself, and what if ritual, the word ritual, is expanded to incorporate the word practice? Well, there I can definitely answer you. Um, for me, ritual has taken on a from one very specific aspect of my work. And when I'm working with my bar and bat mitzvah kids, um, there's, there's actually two aspects of my work that has manifested and magnified in my personal ritual. So the first thing that I teach is around the mitzvah project, if you will. I hate the word mitzvah project. <laughs> I think I think project conveys something short-term and finite, when in reality, mitzvot should be part of the fabric of our uh, daily lives. Um, the second aspect or source of my ritual has become, has come from teaching the uh, Birkota Shachar, the, the daily morning blessings of gratitude. Um, so, as a combination of gratitude and a devotion to performing mitzvot, um, my, my personal ritual has grown out of a gratitude and mitzvah journal. Beautiful. So every day, every morning when I wake up and every night when I go to sleep, uh, I express my gratitude in a journal of the things that I'm grateful that either I encountered in the last 24 hours or I anticipate in the next 24 hours. And through that journaling of gratitude, I find an idea for what, how can I pay it forward in bringing a mitzvah to the world? And so in what way can I say thank you to God for this blessing of freedom and I find uh, 
an idea or something that I can do, just a simple act of kindness for somebody else um, so that I can record that in my journal as well. So I'm not only recording and ritualizing what I'm receiving from the universe, but what I'm giving to the universe as well. I love every piece of what you just said. And I, I think I'm going to um, experiment with keeping a gratitude journal in the mornings. It's actually something that I do every night is write a few words in a gratitude journal about things that I'm grateful for in that past day. But I also just want to talk about something that I incredibly love that you just said, which is about how you could do a mitzvah. I think you said something like to, to help God or to show kindness to God. I don't remember your exact words. Now. I wish I did. Yeah, to show, show my gratitude. To show your gratitude. God for the blessings I receive. Exactly. And that made me think about one of the things that I really love teaching my students, which is about the prayer of the Ve'ahavta, which is to love God. And it Absolutely. explains in there how to love God and how you do it. The short version is with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. And by putting these words on your hands and between your eyes. And what I teach my students is that when you use your hands and whatever you look at, you are seeing creations of God and you are helping to create things of God and you can use your hands to do something negative, which does not show a love of God, or to do something positive, which does. So every day as you go about your day, and you help somebody carry their book that they dropped on the floor, or you loan somebody a pencil in school, you're using your hands right at that moment. And that act of kindness is showing your love of God. And I love how you talked about gratitude as showing your love of God and what kind of act you can take during that day. I love that. And everything you just said is exactly what I teach in my bar and bat mitzvah lessons, that it, it, it's rooted in the source of the via hafta, our roadmap to literally building a relationship with God. And that we must take and put between our eyes that which we really cannot see with our eyes. Okay, we can't really see God with our eyes, but we can put God and our image of God in front of our eyes. And, and making mitzvot and gratitude our, our daily practice that's through following God's commandments, mitzvot, that brings us more closely connected to God. And the more closely connected to God we become, the better rule followers and better messengers of God we also become in the world. And the more good we do in the world and the more joy and the more love that we bring to God and ourselves. I think this is why we love talking to each other, Debbie. <laughs> and that's why I knew you were my soul sister when I first read everything that you were doing. I'm like, oh my goodness, we're so the same. Out of the box Judaism, my personal cantor, it's just two phrases for the same thing, right? Yes, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Well, we need to either talk now for the next 36 hours or say goodbye. <laughs> I know which one I would choose if we had the time. Aww. I hate saying goodbye, but 
okay we just say right until the next opportunity but thank you so much for sharing with me about my personal cancer and about your practices and about all your views i love sharing with you too likewise always look forward to our times that we can reconnect so that was debbie ballard I am so glad that you got a chance to meet her. And if you would like to find out more about her, talk with her, hear her sing, get married by her, all sorts of things, um, you can find her at mypersonalcantor.com or on Facebook as Cantor Debbie Ballard. That's D-E-B-B-I. And there will be a link in the show notes. She's probably also on social media and other places, but I don't know. I'm sure you'll find her. Head on over to the show notes, which, by the way, is when you click that little I, it will show you information about this show, including Debbie Ballard's website, including a link to the Out of the Box Bat Mitzvah online at Amazon. Um, If you want to buy it, I'm happy to send you a copy for free. If you want to go to outoftheboxjudaism.com, on the front page, you can download a copy for free or email me if that's more your style, esther at outoftheboxjudaism.com. I did want to say one more thing about ritual before we go because we're getting up to Passover here. If you're listening to this live, it is, or live when it airs, I should say, um, it is March, and this year Passover begins on Friday night, March 30th. We are really getting close. And I'm doing something special and exciting around ritual this year after Passover all the way up until Shavuot which is 50 days later. I will be counting the Omer which means counting the days between Passover and Shavuot. A lot of people haven't heard of Shavuot. I was one of those people not that long ago but I'm going to do an episode on that later. For now let's just say that the children of Israel after leaving Egypt, which in Hebrew is Mitzrayim, which means narrow places, they wandered in the desert for um, a really long time, right? (laughs) And then they got the revelation at Sinai, and then they also wandered a really long time again. But the Omer is, one of the things that it is, is counting the days between um, Passover and leaving the narrow places until revelation. And I will be working with a small group of people online to start some new rituals in our lives that seem good to us right now. So there's not going to be any cow blood, I promise. Um, And there's not going to be anything that you don't want to do, right? But there will be some journal writing, there will be some meditating, there will be some reflecting and some readings. And I am offering this course for free, this time only. And What it is, is 49 days of these prompts and things to look at and reflect upon and sort of dive into to see what they mean to you, right? Because that's what Out of the Box Judaism is all about. See what it means to you. And it is free this time because this is the first year that I'm doing it. I will not be doing it free again, but I want to invite you to join me and go on this experience have this um, ritual that you want put into your life and see how you feel about it. And that's all. It's not really um, a big commitment. It's a 49-day commitment. 
And it's a commitment to yourself of what it is that you want to do and an opportunity to learn more about a Jewish view. So um, if you would like to do that, please head on over to outoftheboxjudaism.com slash omer, O-M-E-R, which is the time period between Passover and Shavuot. You can read some more details, sign up there, and we will begin on April 1st. That will be our first day. So I know that's coming up soon. Don't hesitate. Go to outoftheboxjudaism.com slash omer. There's also a link in the show notes. And sign up now so that you can get going with us on the day that we leave for this metaphorical trip to Mount Sinai. Thank you for joining me for episode lucky number 18. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment and go to iTunes and write a review. You heard me talk a little bit earlier about how meaningful and special it was when Debbie took some time to write a review of the Out of the Box Bat Mitzvah on Amazon. If you've read that book already, I would love to hear a review from you also on Amazon. Or if you're listening to this podcast, which you are right now, um, please take a moment to go to iTunes and leave a review. If you need some help with the technical part of that, it's something that I didn't used to know how to do, feel free to reach out to me and I will show you. Thanks so much, and I look forward to talking with you next time.